The Real Health Real Talk podcast is strictly for informational purposes only. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Real Health Real Talk podcast. My name is Ebony May. In this podcast, we discuss how you can achieve real health. I share my own experiences and interview some pretty amazing people. Three years ago, I was stuck in a vicious cycle of hating my body, bad dieting and having nowhere to turn. There is no one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to health, so let's find what works for you. My passion and purpose in life is inspiring girls to feel good in and about their bodies. Now, if you're ready for some real talk, sit back and enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Real Health Real Talk podcast. Firstly, I'm very sorry for being extremely MIA all of April. I have been in Cairns and then I went home for a week and just have had a lot of stuff going on. So stay tuned because it will be going back to weekly uploads now. I can promise you that. But it was just a sort of necessary break for me because I do put a lot of time and energy into each episode. So it is quite time consuming, but I do have a few interviews lined up that I know you guys are going to love and be very excited about. The idea behind this episode is really a lot of people ask me what my favorite interview was or what my favorite episode was. And it's pretty hard for me to choose and to say that because I think I've said a few times, like I've got favorite ones and I 100% do. But each episode, each interview that I've done have been people who I really, really resonate with. And I think all of them have a lot of value points from these amazing people that I am interviewing. So what I wanted to do was do a best of episode and get all of my favorite snippets from each interview that I've done so that it can be a one-stop shop for inspiration and just motivation and something really, really cool to listen to. And I was thinking about doing this like every 20 or so episodes. Okay, so first up, the first excerpt I'm going to pull out is from Miranda Greeley, my interview with her, which was way back episode two it was. So that's actually quite a long time ago. Um, I loved doing this interview. Miranda is just such an amazing person. And this is what, what happened when I asked her what the three best crystals were for health-related purposes. Every area is a little bit different and everyone's doing something different or has something that they really need to work through but I've found most mostly black tourmaline is a staple it's all about grounding and protection helping to get rid of negative energies that are surrounding you or with you um, by helping to ground them and absorbing them Um, and that's black tourmaline rose quartz which is about universal love and acceptance so it helps people you know that possibly don't love themselves enough or love people around them enough, helps them to open a little bit, um, not to be so closed. And then you've got amethyst, which there's, there's a lot of different talk about amethyst, but historically it's known as the stone of sobriety, but it's not about not being able to drink alcohol or, or not have effects from drugs. It's more about emotional sobriety. So it's more about the ability to step back emotionally um, for people to get really overwhelmed and then think with a bit of a clearer head. So out of, the, out of all the stones, I'd say those would be the top three that I would say would be the most popular and kind of the staples in everyone's crystal collection. That is just a tiny excerpt from that interview. If you want to listen to the whole thing, again, that is in episode two. But I just thought that was a really cool introduction if you don't know a lot about crystals, just talking about those three and in the depth that Miranda talks about it. She's very articulate and she's amazing in talking about crystals. Okay, next episode excerpt is from episode nine with my old personal trainer, Vanda, and she is talking about motivation and getting yourself to the gym. So... I find that happens a lot. You get motivated, you you go to the gym, you last a couple of weeks. But 
I have said to people, clients of mine, that I don't care if you get to the gym. If you need a place to work out, join the gym. If you can't do it at home and you need a mental, mentally you need to go somewhere, then go to a park, go to your backyard, go to a gym, but somewhere away from your home or your area. And my biggest thing I've always said is I don't care if you come to the gym and you do five minutes on a treadmill and leave. Do that three times a week. Next week will be 10 minutes. Next week will be 20 minutes. But it's the habit. The habit's the thing that you need to create first before you actually really should be focusing on everything else because once the habit's in place, it's easier. It's um, more manageable so you can start working out and changing your workout, say, every six to eight weeks and focusing there, but create the habit first. Creating habits. I think that is such a golden point there. And also, side note, if you could hear a little gorgeous baby boy, that's because there was a little gorgeous baby boy when we were doing that interview. We did it at Vanda's house. She has a little son called Isaac and he is the cutest thing ever. So that was the background in there. Um, yeah, again, so that's episode nine if you want to go have another listen. Next up, we have an excerpt from episode 11, which was an interview with empowerment coach Asti Marie. Asti is doing some freaking amazing and very needed work um, in the in this space right now. And she talks all about body confidence. And this is a really, really cool value point that I would love for you guys to hear. But for me, more specifically, I was never really uncomfortable about my shape or my size. And I think it's important to share this because so many women, when you think body confidence, they just, that's all they think about, right? The body shape, your body size. Yeah. But, and actually a lot of women would come back to me like, who are you to be talking about body confidence? Like, look at your body, you're skinny. Like people accept you. It's so much easier. Like it's easy for you to say. And I took that really badly. I was like, oh my God, like I was getting like criticized for all this work that I was trying to do and trying to inspire women to love themselves. But that actually goes so much deeper than this. So we have all been conditioned to hold so much shame around our sexuality and around our bodies as sexual, around ourselves as sexual beings. So there's so much shame around breasts. There's so much shame around our vulva, our labia. And that's not necessarily based on how they look. That's just based on the fact that we have them. So that doesn't exclude anybody. So any everybody most likely has some sort of body confidence issues because of how suppressed we've been sexually and how suppressed we've been around our bodies. Mm-hmm. So I was never that insecure about my shape or my size, but I was very insecure about my breasts. Um, growing up, I never saw naked women except for the ones that I saw in porn Um, girls that I saw in magazines, models, and girls on TV. And as we know, they kind of all have, like, the same look, right? Yeah. So if you don't look like that, you just assume that there's something wrong with you. You're the odd one out. And I actually have a couple of friends. One's a model and one is an editor. They've both worked for different magazines. And I've heard stories from both of them saying that uh, the photos are so incredibly photoshopped that even the models in those magazines don't even look like themselves. Like my friend that was a model would take these beautiful photos, go out the back, watch herself, like, sorry, look at her photos and think that she looked absolutely amazing, was so like proud of them. And then would watch the photographer completely edit it and airbrush it so it didn't even look like her. I think that Asti made two really, really amazing points with that little excerpt there. One being that 
we all carry different sort of insecurities. And I think that sometimes when you look at somebody, it's very easy to judge and think that they're perfect or that there's nothing wrong with them or that they have no insecurities. And it's really easy to cut them down. Like that was happening to Asti, how bigger women were saying, you know, you can't say that you don't have body confidence because you're skinny. I think that it's really important to appreciate that every single person has their own issues and insecurities. That's one point that I got out of that. And the second one is that we need to stop constantly comparing our bodies to other people's bodies that are not real bodies. And I know that in the in the world of like magazines and stuff, it's, it's getting better with, with less editing. But even just listening to how Asti had that friend who, who said that she didn't even look like herself. Often young girls and, you know, even as we grow up into women, we look at a photo of a woman and think, oh, I look nothing like that. But it's really, I think, comforting to know that sometimes the women in those photos don't even look like that. Two really solid points right there. Okay, so in episode 14, I talked to Chiara Rossio, who is an exercise physiologist, and we touched on pelvic floor. Pelvic floor is something that needs to be talked about. Gals, women, men, yes, even men. Uh, it's, it's really important. I don't think we talk about it enough. So this is what she had to say about that. Yes, for sure. So I um, totally agree with you. Everyone, everyone should know about it, not just women, not just, you know, a lot of people associate pelvic floor with, you know, after you've had a baby or elderly. Um, but yeah, totally agree. It is um, something that everyone should know about. The only thing with that is um, a lot of people are instructed, like, yeah, like brace your core, turn your pelvic floor muscles on, squeeze your pelvic floor, do your Kegels. But that can actually have a reverse effect because not everyone knows how to do it properly. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time you go through exercise classes and they'll say, yeah, brace your core, turn your pelvic floor muscles on. And you're kind of sitting there and you're like, oh, I don't really know if I'm doing it right. Like, am I am I squeezing too hard? Am I squeezing the wrong thing? Like, Well, that's the thing. If somebody says put your hands in the air, like you can put your hands in the air. Like that's, like you can see that other yeah. people are doing that, whereas like this is like an internal thing. So, Yes, yes. And there is lots of, um, you know, it's a little bit, some people find it awkward to talk about or to ask for help. And I think also some um, maybe people in the exercise industry also don't aren't confident with it or to talk to a patient or a client about so it causes a confusion um so yeah like the pelvic floor is um is actually it's not um it's not complicated but there is a lot of there's a lot is there's more to it than we think so there's you know there's the muscles that everyone talks about but then there's also the fascia the ligaments the nerves that also come into play that are really important and um, yeah, and there's, it, it goes differently with people who are going through pregnancy, people after pregnancy, um, girls of any age, young, like, you know, I, I've had friends who are my age at 22 going, oh, you know, you know, I'm leaking when I'm laughing and that's just normal to them, but it is, it, it's not normal, it's common, but it shouldn't be normal. Um, which is, yeah, it's something that I'm really, really passionate about. And, um, yeah, it's it's not known enough how to do it properly or where to seek the help or when you need help um, and how to safely exercise 
to help your pelvic floor or to take care of it. Um, you know, the different pressures in the abdomen, the different pressures when we're doing different movements are all really important to know. And it's very hard to know all of that unless you're getting help or have been professionally instructed. Because like I said before, like, you know, you don't know whether you're doing it right. It's, it's very hard to know. And, um, you know, you can Google it, but Google can't really look at you and, and help you. You can't come out with hands and, and help you out. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a difficult thing, but 100% everyone should be aware of it. Um, yeah, always. So if somebody's a little bit confused about it, who, where can they seek help or what would be a good resource for them? So good resources um, are probably to go, if you're having a lot of issues with it, to go to your GP um, and openly speak about it. So I always say listen to your body and don't let anyone tell you that you are wrong because you know your body best. So if you feel like you're having issues with it, please go to your GP and um, they will refer you on to the best, either women's health physio um, or women's health exercise physiologist. So the difference between a physio and an exercise physiologist in pelvic floor world um, is a physio will do the internal examination, so they'll be able to identify with using a fingers which muscles need a little bit of help. And then um, a women's health exercise physiologist helps you incorporate those muscles into safe exercise and kind of identifying whether you're compensating in any places, helping you to um, complete your daily activities safely by using the pelvic floor, even um, relaxing pelvic floor because a lot of people are actually um, overactive down there, which can cause painful sex or um, pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. So they're probably the three best places would be your GP or gynae. Um, women's health physio or women's health exercise physiologist. I love that Kiara got to touch on that. I think it's, as I said, a really, really important topic. Side note, I'm not sure why I sound like I'm 12 years old in all of these interviews. I'm definitely going to listen to a few more and and figure it out. But I don't know if you guys can hear the difference between like the in-between bits and then the small bits where I'm talking in the interviews, but it literally sounds like 12-year-old me. Anyway, moving right along. Episode 17 is with Jessica Lee Williams. This is an interview that is full of value points. Jess is an amazing speaker and she's just very articulate with her words. This bit I want to put in is she's. I just asked her in the interview what would her best bit of advice be for women or girls struggling with anxiety and, and she just said it so beautifully. For me, right from the beginning, um, I decided that I wasn't going to identify who I was with that label. Mm-hmm. Um I really made a real conscious effort to decide, okay, like these are feelings that I'm experiencing, but it doesn't define who I am. That's not who I am, those feelings or that overthinking or that worry, all of those things. I'm, I am a separate entity from that. And I know I'm amazing, you know, like in my core, I know who I am. I know I'm an amazing person, even if I'm still discovering who exactly that is. Mm-hmm. So even when I went to go speak to someone and I went to a psychologist because I wanted to talk to somebody, I even said to her in our first session, I don't want any type of label. I don't want you to diagnose me with anything. This is what I'm experiencing, but I don't want to attach myself to that label. And I think 
being able to empower myself in that process and knowing that we can, you know, we can really empower ourselves is so important um, because I knew that once I kind of identified myself to that, it would be harder for me to step away from it because I would feel really attached. Exactly. Does well, that you, that, yeah, that's part of your identity. You, you wouldn't yeah. go into a circumstance and think, I'm Jess, I have social anxiety, and that's why exactly. I act this way instead of instead of stepping away from that. So I understand that completely. And I think that in itself is a really, really good like nugget there just to not identify with the things that you're struggling with because otherwise yeah. you can't ever overcome them. Yeah, yeah, and it's okay to have feelings, and we all have them, um, but it's not who we are. Um, so that was really big for me, 100%. As I was saying, like that is not who I am. So my journey has really been around tapping in with who I am at my core and really discovering me. And Mm -hmm. that has probably been the biggest thing for me along this whole time and what I really, um, you know, really enjoy working with women on is them connecting with themselves. So for me, I kind of went on this journey of discovering what it was that I needed. And so these feelings of anxiety were really... Um, a messenger that were coming through to tell me that, you know, something was up. There was something going on there that I wasn't listening to. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I was listening to a lot of Tony Robbins at that time on YouTube. I don't think there was podcasts then or I didn't know about them, but I would listen to him like all day on my computer while I was working in the car. Um, and so, yeah, he was kind of the very beginning of my personal growth journey and I'd get books from the library. Um, but my mum is a, is a spiritual and emotional healer and she does a lot of numerology and astrology. So I started getting quite interested in that as well. Mm-hmm. And then even just going online and looking at like personality tests and discovering more about myself. And I always knew I was an introvert, but I didn't really understand what that meant. And that was something that I kind of had attached a bit of shame to as well, being an introvert. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember in high school doing a personality test and getting that I was introverted and kind of pretending that I got extroverted instead, which is so crazy looking back on now, but I thought, you know, the cool kids are extroverted and it's not cool to be an introvert. Um, And as I kind of started going through this process of learning more about myself, I realized that being an introvert doesn't necessarily mean that we're shy or that we can't handle social situations or any of that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're capable of doing anything, um, but we need to prioritise time for ourselves to recharge. And that was something that I was like, I realised I wasn't doing as much as I should have been. Um, really feeling okay with saying no if something, you know, saying no and going somewhere if it really didn't feel like it was aligned with myself and so taking that time for me and feeling okay about that and knowing that I didn't need to you know live up to the expectations I had of my extroverted friends who were always out socializing and doing things and they could go and go and go um I just wasn't like that and that was okay like I enjoy being at home and creating on my own and reading books and and being in my own space Mm -hmm. um so I kind of started to create the idea of an energy budget for myself and I'm hoping this might help somebody um so it's a bit like when I got paid every week for my salary I kind of got this idea that okay I've got a certain amount of energy throughout a week and it's up to me to decide where I'm going to spend this so what I decided to do was I realized that okay when I've got like a big 
event or, or I go away for a weekend, it's taking me a long time to recharge. It takes me a few days to really get back to feeling like myself again. So what I need to do is kind of give myself that space. And so if there's something really important for me that I want to go to and enjoy, like an engagement party or a, a big event, then I realized what I needed to give my space, myself space leading up to that to kind of um, charge myself up to, mm-hmm. to have that space. Otherwise, I was totally burnt out before the event and I would start to get very anxious. I would start to get overwhelmed because I really didn't want to go. You know, I didn't have that that energy within me to be able to deal with being around people and being in lots of energy around, you know, a big group. So I started to really get to know that about myself and be okay with that and give myself the opportunity to charge up. Um, And as I, as time went on, I realized that I could do that in ways like meditating um, or just having, you know, half an hour to myself away from the group um, to go for a walk by myself all the, to be out in nature that all these little things throughout the week could top me up so that I would be able to be more in my centre when I was around other people and um, that was a big realisation for me. I feel like that little excerpt there that um, Jess was talking about is so so powerful. I really resonate with not identifying yourself with something that is an issue or or making something that is part of you, all of you. I think that we can do that very easily and I think it's really easy for things to get overwhelming. I think it's so important for us to for us to think, okay, this is a part of me, this is not all of me, this will not consume me, this is not me. I think that how she said that she didn't she didn't label herself as anxious or has having anxiety and that she didn't identify as having anxiety I think that is a really really powerful thing this next value point is from episode number 19 with Chrissy Raffia and I get asked a lot or I I get told a lot actually that a barrier for people eating healthy is because they can't afford it or it's too expensive and a lot of my friends especially ones who are still at university say I can't eat healthy like it's too expensive getting lots of fruit and vegetable is too expensive gluten-free pasta is too expensive so this point I I really really love and it just sort of it kind of I feel like if you're stressing about that will put your mind at ease and um, Chrissy also has some really cool tips for if you're in this situation. Look I 110% resonate with the uni lifestyle and not having the money 100% (laughs) I I completely get it and I think in those instances you know, there's two things I'd say, and one is like a key phrase I try and repeat over and over again is that you're doing the best you can in the moment you're in with the resources you have available, and sometimes your resources are stretched. And mm-hmm. you know, I think that's a point where it's really important to think. You know, there's a beautiful lifestyle that you can perhaps strive towards, but if you're doing the best you can in the moment you're in, and you know, you're running short on cash, then that's the best you can do. And um, in those instances, like this is three things that I would, you know, come to mind in terms of like saving your money but still eating in a way that is healthy and makes you feel good, especially when you're at uni or if you are, um, you know, have, have a busy lifestyle where you kind of need the energy to be able to keep up with that as well. Um, number one, and this is one that's so simple but so easily overlooked, and that's menu plan. And I'm not talking like strict menu plan or meal plan it's you know I have to eat this this and this um but plan plan your dinners like plan what you want to have for lunch um having a quick 
like guide for the week before you head to the shops really helps you to focus on what do I actually need, not to what do I want and how will I somehow magically make this into a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and by doing so, it leads into my second tip, which would be stick to similar meals for a couple of days. I think there's this um, trend and I think it, you know, like you said about Instagram, I think there's so much value to be um, sought from Instagram, but also there's moments where you can flick through and go, this person's having, you know, this much fan, this much more, and this meal the next day, I, you know, how do I keep up? Not only is it exhausting, but it's really expensive as well. And that is certainly something I try to bring into um, the Lunchbox series. Is you probably noticed I use similar fruits and veggies and foods a couple of days in a row to make sure that it fits in with our budget. So, um, you know, you don't have to have something different every single day. If you get bored, change it up. Obviously, you want to eat a variety of food, but it's okay to stick to similar meals for a couple of days if that keeps your budget down. Um, And then the final thing is, I guess, shopping smart. So if you've got the time, and again, it comes down to the resources available to you, if you can shop at a farmer's market or, you know, Audi has some really great stuff available if you're in Australia and um, for a really affordable price. So shopping around and finding places that have the things you want to buy um, that are cheaper or in bulk or however it is, help you budget-wise to still eat a healthy, like in a healthy way without killing your budget. I absolutely loved Chrissy's response to that and how she gave really practical and logical tips surrounding that because I know that a lot of people are not struggling but that's sort of where they might fall down in terms of like living a healthy lifestyle thinking they can't afford it so I think that's a really really good value point and she that was just one little part of that interview so again if you'd like to listen to more that's episode number 19. Okay, this is the last excerpt we're popping into this episode today because we're already at 25 minutes. Um, This is from episode 21, episode one of my Dream Life podcast series. Dream Life series on my podcast. Rather, that was confusing. Um, And it was with Kirsty Jenkins, who is a nutritionist from Perth. And this is her response to when I asked her why I thought it was important or how important it is to love what you're doing and I loved her response, so have a listen. Oh, honestly, like it just—if you can—you can see people who are not in alignment with what they're doing. You can like things keep happening in life when you're not living in alignment. So it is so important to do what you love. Mm-hmm. Like, thing is, at the end of the day, is you've only got one life to live, and if you're not doing what you love every day, you're going to be better. You're going to hate life. And a lot of people, like you know, we get on these these tracks and we start doing things we think that's what we're meant to do, like society's sets us up for these things and it's like no I need to go get a secure job where I'll have good income I can't do things that are too risky like you know and it's just this whole cycle of like we should be doing this instead of actually just being like you know what I love whatever it may be nutrition or art or whatever it is or personal training and I'm going to make this work because the reality is when you make things work and you are passionate about something it'll just flow and when you're in alignment with that you know, you attract people and people can naturally pick up your passion and what you love and they'll want to come and join you kind of thing. Like, yeah, exactly. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think it like yeah. I think it always like reflects off people when they're doing that. And that's why yeah. when you say the attraction, like people who are passionate about something themselves want to, you know, go to people in their own fields who are also passionate about that because it flows yeah. and you can sense that energy. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 
and people just nap. I mean, you're obviously going to be practicing what you preach as well if you're passionate about the area. And, you know, I noticed quite a few people, like, over the years of coming into the fitness industry, you can – like, some people obviously don't always know what they want to do to start with, so they – you know, getting something you can see they're not passionate about it, they're not living and breathing it, and it really shows as well. So it's just it's so important to follow what you love and wake up every day and not necessarily feel like you have to work. Too true. I loved her response to that, and I I could not agree more. I think it is so important to follow your passion, and I know that the world would be a better place if more people were following their passion. Um, and that's why I do this podcast and that is why I'm a personal trainer and you know pursuing that and that's why I'm studying nutrition because all of these things are my passion and it makes me so happy that I get to do these things and if even one person listens and enjoys it or gets some sort of knowledge or, or value out of it, then that literally makes my day. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you'd like any of them, um, they're really, really easy to find. I've only got 21 episodes, but I thought this was a cool idea. So you can kind of get a little taste of like each of the interviews that I have done. Also a massive shout out to all of the amazing people who I have interviewed because I've just enjoyed it so immensely. Um, and it really lights me up talking about health, um, and real health, different aspects of real health with all of these people who who are so passionate. And it's just been so much fun and I cannot wait to do more. And like I said, I have been extremely MIA and I apologize, but I'm excited to get some more interviews and some more solo episodes. So if you are wanting me to cover something specifically, please DM me on Instagram at Ebony May Health so I can be putting things out there that you are wanting to listen to. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget to rate and review if you would like to because that would make me really happy. And yeah, I will talk to you guys in the next episode.